Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for everyone that's serving today. We appreciate it. And those that have made it today, thank you for coming on our new time. Well, it's an important message today. I pray that you would get your iPhone out or if you use notepad still, paper, that would be great. You can also um, go back onto YouTube and hear the message. But I just think this message today is really important for us as a foundation for our year. And as we talk about identity, who we are in Christ, I was thinking about the first message and how we, what, what's really important for us as a foundation before we start to talk over the next few weeks about who we are in Christ is that if, if we don't know God's identity a little bit better, then we will not actually have a really good foundation. So I want to talk to you on this first message is to try and help shape us on who God is, his identity. I'm not going to be able to um, articulate who God is in one sermon. In fact, we could never do that for eternity. But I'm hoping that I can deposit just two attributes of God into your heart and your mind today that will take you through 2023. And I believe if these two attributes will stick with you and in you, that you will see great things happen through you in your life, even though bad things can come this year in our lives. And so let me just start by reading a scripture from Exodus 3, verse 5 and 6. And this is where God appears to Moses in the burning bush, his encounter with God. Uh, and it says this, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Just let me say this, that, that wherever God is, that the place where we come in contact with God is holy ground. It's not just about a place where God is not, but when a God turns up, then every place where God turns up, it's holy ground. And so where, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is because I'm here is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Straight away in this first encounter with God, we can see that Moses hid his face because he was afraid of God. But as Moses began to build his relationship with God, it tells us in the, in the scriptures that he began to speak to God face to face. And so for every one of us in this room and online, that when we have a first encounter with God, that we will bring all kinds of attributes and experiences and mindsets into what God is really like. God's first encounter with Moses, that he was afraid of God, but the more he got to know God, he could speak to him face to face without being afraid. He had a healthy reverence for God, but he wasn't afraid of God because he began to know him. And so I want to talk to you about our relationship with God and our image of God because it really will shape your walk with God. So Moses um, was shaped by his environment and his family. He must have had stories told by his mum and dad about what Yahweh was like, what God did in their forefathers. And he says, I am the God of your fathers. And so Moses knew about God because of what he'd learned 
from how God acted towards his fathers and also from his relationships within his families and also from his context. I want to say to you that when you come to Christ, and no matter what kind of experience you have with God, you will bring into that relationship the context of your relationships from your family, from those in authority, and you will bring that into your relationship with God. And so it's the same in all human relationships. If we are married, we will understand this. You remember love at first sight? Do you remember when you first saw them and that was it? You were head over heels and there was amazing transformation in your life that you brought the best to the table every time you met that person. But then when we got married and then the honeymoon period was over, you know, love at first sight began to get mystified. Our, our view of that person changed because we saw something about that person that we never saw before. Why? Because they brought into that relationship culture, family values, experiences that we knew nothing about and then both of us clash with those experiences and therefore our image of what we experienced in the beginning changes of that person. And it's the same with when we come into our relationship with God. And so when we call God our Father, for some of you in this room and online, will have a filter of your relationship with your parents. If you've had a bad relationship with your father, then you will think God your father is something like him until you get to know him. And so it's important that you know that in your life, that you carry these things into your relationship with God. And those things have the ability to mar your image of your heavenly father. So that's why it's important we have to get to know him so we have a, a proper image of what God is like to navigate who we are as we follow him. If we're authority figures in our life that's been harsh with us, then we'll think God is harsh. If we've had been abandoned by others, then we, when things happen, we'll feel that God has abandoned us. And all those filters in our life can have the ability to rob us of what God is really like. On the flip side, if he was like me, I was spoiled as a young child. Everything I asked for, I got. Now the problem is that, is that when I come to Jesus and I never got everything I asked from God, then I have a problem with God because he doesn't do what I ask him to do. So it's whether you've had a good relationship or a bad relationship, all those things can affect who God is in your life. And so we have to also understand that when you become a Christian, you also have a foundation of teaching in your life from ever the environment that you've come from. And so your foundation is really important. So if somebody has told you that when you come to Christ, that you're going to have no more problems anymore, and then you're going to have everything great from now on, and you've had that foundation, then you will blame God for things that happen when things go wrong. And so it's important that we align ourselves with the only true foundation that can give us a proper reflection of what God is like, and that is the Bible. And that's why you have to try and get into the Word this year more than ever, because if you lose the Word of God, then it's so easy to get deceived of what God is like and what He wants you to do for Him. 
You will go off other people's opinions, other people's messages. But unless it's rooted in the Word of God, the Bible, which is given to us to reflect, to show who He is and what He's like, will always go off track. And so it's really important for us that we get a right view of God and from the foundation of the Word of God. That's why when in Exodus 6, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. And then the instruction for the Israelites was this. It says, I want you to, to get these commandments that I give you on your hearts and impress them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God was saying that you've got to allow the Word of God to frame every context in your heart and in your mind. And he's saying that if you can begin to allow the Word of God to be every part of your daily life and your living and don't get them out of your mind and your heart because the devil and the world and other people will try and rob you of what God is really like and what He wants you to do. But the Word of God is the only thing we have in our lives that will give us the substance and truth to keep us going. The Bible is a mirror. It shows us what we're like. It shows what God is like. And if you throw away the mirror, you forget what you look like and you forget what God looks like. And that's why we have to get into the Bible every day. It's not to be religious. It's so we can get to know more about a person because we forget at times what God is like when things happen to us. We forget what we look like when we mess up. But we have to live by the truth and it has to be melted into our hearts and into our minds. And so that's why the instruction was to live out your word. You see, I've met many Christians and when I talk to them over 30 years of ministry and they talk to me about the God that I know over my 30 years, it's a different God. Yes, we've come to Christ and we know Jesus but what they've learned about God and through their experience and what they tell me is not the God of the Bible. And somehow my job is to help them not to fix them, but to help them to understand who He is and who they are. And if we can get that, our lives will be better, more fruitful as we walk through our lives. But nobody in Scripture is different to us. The greatest had a problem with their image of themselves and the image of who God was. And that's why a relationship's important to, to get to know one another and get to know who God is like. So for 32 years, me and Linda have been married. And I know there's certain things about Linda that I will not question about her life. So no matter who tells me, no matter what circumstances may say to me, I am fixed, there's something about Linda's character, her faithfulness to me, I will never doubt that because I know her. And when you get that with God, when things happen to you, you will not be moved. You will have steadfastness to keep you going because of who God is in your life and we need to have that fixed as we come to 2023. Judges 6 says, pardon me Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why have all these things happened to us? And many Christians ask this question when bad things happen to them. Where is all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. See, right there in the context of Gideon, who was going to lead an amazing army and do great things for God, had a problem with his image of God. He believed that God abandoned him. 
He believed that God had brought them into slavery. But the truth is, it was nothing to do with God. It was the people of God that disobeyed God and they caused the problem. But many of us believe a lie. And we think when bad things happen, we believe that God has abandoned us. And there's been times in my life trying to follow Jesus and things have happened and I'm wondering if, if God has forsaken me. And, I, and I have to, if I lean on the circumstances, then I'm going down a track of no stability. So I have to pull myself back into the character of God and the Word of God and to know what He is like from his scripture and from who he is. And when I lean back into who he is, then I will renew my mind and I will say, no, God has not abandoned me. God will never leave me nor forsake me. See, the thing for me that Gideon had been told by somebody, by his ancestors and by his own um, circumstantial situation that, that God has left him. But what, if you read the story, the angel came up to encourage him to fight the battle. That God was always on his side. And so we can see here that Gideon was blaming God and many times we blame God for things happen in our life. The reason is because we don't know him as well as we ought to know him. Yes, we're born again. Yes, we come as children of God. But our journey now is to know God more to know what he's really like, to get into his word and by the Holy Spirit to have his revelation of his love and his character and his faithfulness. See, we, we have sang a song this morning that some of us don't even believe. And so, you know, if, if Gideon was there and he said, why have you abandoned me? He needed a worship team to come alongside him and sing this song. I have never walked alone and never been abandoned. See, you've sung that this morning, but some of you are still walking and believing that God is not for you. I've never been abandoned. You are my inheritance. You are my shield and my strength. And I have confidence that you go before me and you are my deliverer. See, have you confidence in the character of God when your world is falling apart, when everything is contradictory of what, how you should be blessed as a Christian? Can you still lean into his character, not the circumstances, and begin to rely on who he is that he is your deliverer. You are always faithful. You are always strong and able. Every hour, every minute you have been there. In every trial and every failure, you are loyal and faithful to me and you'll always will be. See, that song has so much power and truth that if we could have that in our hearts and minds, no matter what we face in 2023, we'll all lean back that God has not abandoned me. And that's what we have to face when we come to know who he is in our lives. And it takes a, quite a while in our walk with God. But the more you get into his word, the more you're seeking, the more you experience his love and his goodness. Like we heard about the testimony of how God has provided supernaturally through those experiences of his faithfulness. It grows inside of you because trust is so important in a relationship. Because trust is the foundation of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to walk with God. And so I want to say whatever you're facing right now, that you need to know that God is for you. He does not change. And if you will lean into who he is and, and what he will do for your life as you lean on his character, not doubt and blame him. And, and of course we ask questions of why and why is, has this been happened and all things like that. But we cannot move away from who he really is. So the devil will always want to rob you of the nature and character of God. 
See, Genesis gives us the clue of his strategy and he says to Eve, did God really say? You see, casting doubt on the faithfulness of God. He has no other strategy. And so she begins to wonder, did God really say? And then she begins to lean in her own way and take her hands out of God's ways and begin to lean in her own ways. Martin Luther said, the sin underneath all our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and must take matters into our own hands. So I want to encourage you today to seek God with all your heart this year, to learn his ways, just like Moses says. He said, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. To know God is the most important thing in our lives, to love him with all our hearts. And out of that is to love others. Ministry comes second out of our relationship with God because the more you know him, the more you can travel with victory no matter what happens in your life. The psalmist says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in truth and teach me. For you are God, my saviour, my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. See, if you can get robbed out of who God is, your life will not be effective for God. And many things will come this year that will try and knock God out of you. Knock out who he is for you and who his character is in your life. And we must stand steadfast of who he is. So let me bring two things, just two things. There's loads of things, but if you can carry just these two things with you, in this year, your life will be fruitful more than ever you can imagine. Just two things that if you can carry with you in your mind, in your heart, no matter what it comes down, if you can carry these two things, I believe you will have an amazing 2023 despite all what's happening right now. Number one, God is completely good. Number one, God is completely good. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Exodus 34. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And he does not leave the guilty unpunished. See, God is love and God is just but if you don't know this about him and know what his nature is like, then we're not really going to get very far in our walk with God. But God revealed his character to Moses as he sought God, show me your glory. He was saying, show me your character. What are you really like? And he said, the, the goodness of the Lord passed by. Amazingness, full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so Psalm 190 says, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. And Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. I want to tell you today that God is completely good. No matter what bad comes to your life this year. See, in Genesis 3, God created the universe and he made things. Every time he made something, he said one thing, it is good. Everything God made was good, but then he made humanity at the end of creation because everything in creation was made for what was coming next and that was for me and you. 
And when God created humanity, he didn't just say it was good. He said, and it's very good. And so I want you to know that God is a good God and what he made until man made a decision to leave God's commands and then bad came into the world. But that doesn't make God bad when bad happens to us. See, that's the problem for us, that when bad happens to us, then we question if God is good. Because you know, even atheists, when things happen in the world, they say, well, where is God in that? Why didn't God do something when they don't even believe in him? Why? Because we want to put the blame on a good God when bad things happen in our world. But we need to understand no matter what bad happens to you as a follower of Jesus, God is still completely good. And you need to have that in your mind. If not, you will move away from who he is and you'll fall away from his purpose in your life. And so I want to encourage you that you cannot guarantee in your life that 2023 won't bring some bad things into your life. That some things won't go the way you've planned, but it doesn't mean that God is bad. It doesn't mean to say that God is still good in your life. And so I want to encourage you today because this is what happens. Some of the choices that we will make will be bad choices. Come on. Some of the choices you made last year, they weren't so really good choices and it brought bad because of the choices you made. There are some bad people in the world that do bad things to people. Would you agree on that? And also because of the fall, the consequences of the fall brings bad things to our world. But that doesn't make God bad. And if we don't separate the bad from God, then we're going to get distorted that when things happen to us as followers of Jesus, we will think that God is not longer any good and he's no longer for us. And so we get deceived about who God is in our lives. I want to tell you the nature of God is always good. Because no matter what happens in your life, no matter what your feelings are like right now, whatever the world throws at you, whatever people do to you, whatever you do for yourself, I want to say to you, even though you don't feel it, you don't think it, God is still working on your behalf. And he wants to turn things around for your good and for his purposes. Why? Because the word of God tells us so. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when the world is upside down, God is still completely good and he's always working on our behalf to turn things around. Because sometimes things don't happen the way we want them to happen. And we say, why didn't God move the mountain? Why didn't God open the door? Why didn't God protect me? Why did God allow that life to go too early? Why did we do that? And all of a sudden, those things begin to grip our minds and our hearts and begin to distort the image of God that is no longer good. But I want to tell you, no matter what happens to your life this year, God is always completely Good. Why? Because it's his nature. And God doesn't change. And you might not understand the things that happens to your life, but the one thing that the enemy wants to take from you, that you've got to gain background, that God is good. And this year when things happen to us and they don't go to plan, I'm not going to turn around. I'm going to probably have a little bit of doubt, but I'm always going to get back into the world and say, God, 
I know this thing's a mess. I know this. I don't understand it. But God, you're still good. I'm not allowing the enemy. I'm not allowing the circumstances. I'm not allowing myself to talk myself out of who you are because you are completely good. And if you can allow that to keep in your heart and your mind, you'll get through. You'll get through things that will take you so much time to get through. Because the Bible says in Romans 12, listen, do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind because the battle's right between your ears. Because what you think is how you will be as a person. You think God is no longer good, then you're dismantling the very thing that's going to help you through your walk with him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What about? Then you will be able, what? To test and approve what God's will is. Listen, his good, his pleasing and his perfect will. You see, if you will not let go of who he is, you will get through to find what is good and pleasing his perfect will. And James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. See, our, our faith is rooted on the Word of God to tell us about the character of God. He's put that in a book so we will know who He is and what He's like and our lives are based on the fact of the truth of the Word that God is completely good and He does not change like shifting shadows. And if you will grab that this year, no matter what hell you're going through, I want to tell you that you will see things happen through your life because your life is fixed on the one who is completely good, no matter if your world is bad. Number one, let this be fixed in your mind and your heart. God is completely good. Number two, God loves you. God loves you. You see, Moses got to know God, but it was through God's experience with Moses where he began to make altars and call the name about God. So when God provided the ram for him, he said, Jehovah Jireh, and he set up an altar, and his name came from what God did. And what God did comes from who God is. Every time in Scripture when God does something, then there's a name about God because you can't separate what God does from who he is. It's his character and his nature. So when we say God provides, that's who he is. When we say God is peace, that's who he is. When we say he's our healer, that's who he is. So you can't separate what God does from who he is. But when things don't work out the way we are, we separate them. Because God can't change his character they may not always turn up when we want them or when we think they should turn up, but God is present. God is the one who sees. God is our shepherd. God is our healer. God is our righteousness. God is our provider. God is our salvation. And the only reason we get to know that is because of what he did. So Aphua could not stand up here and say God is a provider until his experience of his position came to a life. And you only can say God is my salvation when you get saved. 
when you know that God saved you and you're forgiven of all your sins and you've had that experience, you can't say that until you experience him because you experience his very essence of who he is by what he does. And you can't stop God being good because it's who he is. It's not just what he does, but what he does comes from who he is and vice versa. So you've got to know that God loves you. And we struggle with that because we mess up. And we struggle with that because we look for approval of others to get love. Because we're human. But we've got to get rooted that God loves us unconditionally. That no matter what we do from this moment, that God will always love us conditionally. And how can he prove that? So in the Old Testament, he proved it by his actions. And he proved it but. In the New Testament, he proved it by one ultimate act. And I'm going to finish on this message on that. But the psalmist says, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love. Oh, God, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You, oh, Lord... Your love reaches to the heavens. But our challenge is that when things go bad, his love's got to reach to your heart. And if his love can reach to your heart, that who he is, that he'll never stop loving you. And he's always for you. If you will take those truths, that is not like fiction, that is fact, based on who he is and what he's done. That he's completely good And he loves me unconditionally. Through the ugly, through the good, through the bad, not on our performance, but he loves you unconditionally in your life. Yet God demonstrated his love for us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to be good to die for you. And we're conditioned, as long as we do our bit, God will then bless me. No, God blesses you in spite of what you do for him. But yet we can mess it up through disobedience, but God still loves you because he disciplines those he loves. See, the foundation of how we know God loves us is through Jesus. That's his ultimate signature to tell me and you of how much he loves us. 1 John 4 says how, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a toning sacrifice for us. If you ever think that God doesn't love you through what happens to you in life, you've got to always look to Jesus. Because that's his signature of love to you. That you deserve death and hell. But because of his love for you, he sent Jesus to our lives. For God so loved the world. What? That he gave his one and only son. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the essence of our faith, guys. It's so simple. That if you would carry these two truths in your life, your walk would be transformed. That God completely is good and he loves me. And I know I don't always please him, but in spite of that, he loves me. And how can I know Jesus, who died on a cross for me? And when he came to this earth, it tells us in Acts that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and power. And now he went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed to the devil. That's all Jesus came to do. He came to reflect the Father in the flesh. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. If you couldn't see him in the Old Testament, now you can see him in the New Testament in the flesh. Jesus came to reveal what God was like. And so I want to encourage you that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn all over creation. Everything was made by him and for him and through him. And he is the head of the church. Hebrew says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. God sent Jesus not only to die for the sins of the world, but to show us what he is like, that he will be willing to lay his life down for a wicked world that we can be forgiven because he loves us unconditionally. Jesus had a problem, like we have a problem with the disciples. He says, Peter, Philip, after I've been with you for a long time, do you still not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You see, as Christians, no matter how we've walked with God for a long time, we forget. How long have I got I'll be with you? Do you still not know? Do you still not know how much I love you? Do you still not know how good I am? And he had to remind him, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. At least believe the evidences of the works themselves. Because everything I do is good to bless others. We see his compassion. We see his kindness. We see his mercy. We see the outcasts, the poor, the rich, the religious, the heathen, all coming to Christ and being offered his grace but his love. You see, there's an illustration once and you'll see the photograph on the back. And I read this and I thought it was really good. And this is a certain medieval monk announced he would be preaching next Sunday evening on the love of God. And as the night fell and the light ceased to come through the cathedral windows, the congregation gathered in the darkness of the altar, the monk lighted a candle and he carried it to the crucifix. First of all, he illuminated the crown of thorns. Then next to the wounded hands. Then next to the spear wound and then to the marks and holes in his feet. In the hush that fell in the congregation, he blew the candle out he put it down and he left the church because there was nothing else to say. And that's why the Apostle Paul says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger and sword, he had all those in his life. But he knew one thing. He wasn't going to allow those things to separate him, understanding that God loves him. Who can separate us from his love? Knowing that I'm going to go through danger, famine, sword, shipwrecks, beatings, in all those things, they couldn't rob me knowing that this Jesus loves me 
unconditionally. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced. Wow. What he was convinced about. Listen, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, what will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. And that's our goal, that we are not going to allow anything in 2023 to separate us from knowing two things. Number one, God is completely good. Number two, he loves us unconditionally. And then Paul, to finish, says this in Romans 8. What then shall we say in response to this? In response to what? In Jesus dying on the cross for us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? He, see, this is his foundation of knowing that. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See, Paul's faith was based on the love of God because of what Jesus did for him. And nothing else. Let us stand together. Father, I pray today that whatever we're facing right now in our lives, whatever we're carrying from 2022 of disappointment and discouragement, Lord, I I know for a fact that's going to happen in 2023. Some of us in this room and online, we're going to face discouragement, we're going to face loss, we're going to face hardship, because that's the promise of the Bible, that it's not always going to be rosy. There is going to be persecution and hardship and pain and trouble, but yet we have a God who can empower you and strengthen you. His grace is sufficient for you. We have a God who's completely good and a God that loves you and will never leave you and never forsake you. And as we sing our final song to cement the Word of God today. I ask you that you will guard your heart and mind this year, that you'll not allow anything or anyone to rob the nature of His love and character of just those two things to start with in your life. Number one, God is completely good. And number two, God loves you and me unconditionally. Come on, let's give God praise.